Thanks for tuning into the Marlon Benjamin Podcast. We believe that God is raising up a generation that's equipped to demonstrate his power to a lost world. And we're determined to be a part of that generation. Now, here's your host, Evangelist Marlon Benjamin. Listen, so it's a new year, not the beginning of every new year. People always have resolutions about what they're going to do differently throughout the year. I have a resolution for Christians everywhere this new year. There are certain sayings that we need to leave in 2021 and not bring them into 2022. I don't know why they've ended up having this much longevity and I don't know why they've been here plaguing us with their stupidness for so long, but I'm tired of it and I want to get into it today and finally put these stupid sayings to bed that Christians have been saying for so long. We have to understand that the things we say are very important, especially as believers. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, all right? And we have to understand that the power of life and death is in our tongue. So the things you say are very important. You can't just speak everything that comes to your mind. You can't just speak everything that you feel to say, especially when it comes to a lot of things we say in church, because some of the type of stuff Christians be saying in church, it's like, dude, do you really want that in your life? Do you really want that to manifest in your life? You don't. So if you don't want it to manifest, you shouldn't be saying it. Like a lot of things we be saying, even in regards to like sickness and disease and health and all that stuff. It's like, if you really look down to it, you as a believer don't want to live a life riddled with sickness. You as a believer don't really want to live a life in lack and poverty and nothingness. Sorry about that. That's not Corona. I don't care how much we try to glorify these things and act like it's such a great life to live and such a holy life to live and God is just working the eternal way to glory in my life by my life being terrible and me being beat up by the enemy left, right, and center. It's not the will of God. And if it's not the will of God, God has made another way for you to live. Like, for example, it comes to my mind that God told Joshua, he said, if you follow the book of the instruction, if you follow this word and the all these instructions that I'm giving you, it will bring good success into your life and you'll be prosperous in all your ways. That's what he told Joshua. But that's a model to us, too, as believers. If we follow God's commands and we follow his instructions that he gives us, it will bring good success into our life. We will prosper in all of our ways if we follow follow it to a T and don't deviate from it and not turn to the left or right. So if God said that his commands bring good success into our life, how are we going to get up in church and say, you know, just this path that we walk on as Christians is hard and it's not easy and the devil is always fighting. But, you know, when we get to heaven, it'll all be worth it all. No, God didn't say that. He did not say that. So we need to stop speaking these things like God said it when he didn't. I'm so sick and tired of the life is hard and life is just a constant battle and struggle and I'm going to get kicked in the head all the days of my life until Jesus comes back. I'm so sick and tired of that culture in Christianity because we carry that mindset and we don't remember that Christ has made us victorious and we don't remember that we can live victorious through Christ as believers on this earth. 
Okay, the unsaved people, the unbelievers have it hard enough already. And we're trying to get people saved and tell them that there's a better way and Christ can make it all better. But then they look at our lives and our lives don't look any different from theirs. And they're like, why in the world would I come over to the Lord's side if he ain't doing nothing for you? Your life looks the exact same as mine. And I'm looking for a way out of my issues and my struggles. And we're getting up and telling people, you know, you just got to continue to struggle with it but one day no unsaved people want a way out of their depression now unsaved people want a way out of their addiction now and god has given us as believers the answer and the tools to set them free but because we speak things and we believe things contrary to the word of god that's the message that we're portraying to the world and it needs to stop in the body of christ you see, Jesus said in Luke 4, he said when he when he got up and he read the scroll um, from Isaiah, he said the spirit of the Lord is on him to do what? To bring good news to the poor, to set the captives free, to declare that the blind will see, set the oppressed free and declare the time of the Lord's favor. He didn't say the spirit of the Lord was upon me to come in here and just rub people's back and tell them it's going to be all right. And they got to continue to push through and struggle through. But one day it all get better. No, he said that God's spirit rest on me to set the oppressed free. God spirit rest on me to declare that the time of the Lord's favor has come. God's spirit rest on me to declare that the blind will see. God's spirit rests on me to preach good news to those who are poor. That's what he said. The reason why the spirit of the Lord rests on him. And if that same spirit that rested on Jesus rests on us as believers, we're not preaching a different gospel. We haven't been commanded to preach a different message than Jesus preached. If Jesus's ministry was to go do that, guess what? As believers, when we get anointed with the Holy Ghost and fire, we're doing the same thing. So before I get all long-winded and go off on a tangent and end up somewhere I didn't mean to be, let's get into these things that need to be retired and left in 2021. Here's the first thing. I'm going to split these up. I'm probably not going to do all of them today because there's a lot to these. But this first thing that I hear a lot in church that needs to be retired and it's unbiblical. We don't worship God for what he does, but we worship God for who he is. I don't know why this one is so popular among my generation, younger people, millennials, Gen Z, but it needs to stop because it's not biblical at all. Let's go to Psalms, Psalm 150. Watch what the psalmist said here. Psalm 150 verse 1 and 2. He said, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works and praise him for his unequaled greatness. Let me read verse two again. It said, praise him for his mighty works and praise him for his unequaled greatness. The psalmist said, praise God. And then he said to praise God for his mighty acts and then praise him according to his excellent greatness. So the Bible there, the psalmist commanded the people of God to praise God for his works and for the things he does, the mighty acts that he does. It is biblical to praise God for the things he does. All right. 
It is 100% biblical to praise God for the things that he does. And this thing is rooted in some type of false humility that, you know, we don't just seek God for the things he can give us, but, you know, we just seek his face. Let me tell you something. If God does something for you and you don't praise him for it and you're not thankful for it, there's a problem. All right. There is a problem right there. We have to make sure that as believers, we are thankful for the things God does. We have to make sure that as believers, we continuously offer praise to God for the things he does that no other power can do. If God is healing bodies, we better be thanking God for that. If God is saving souls, we better be praising him for that. If God is setting the captives free and he's breaking the hold of the enemy off of his people, we better be praising God for that because that's a mighty act that God does that nobody else can do and we give God all the glory for that in the book of John I think it's John 14 let's actually go there John 14 and verse 12 watch what Jesus said he said I tell you the truth anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the father Verse 13, you can ask for anything in my name and I'll do it so that the son can bring glory to the father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. Watch what he said in verse 13 again. He said, ask for anything in my name if you do and I'll do it so that the son can bring glory to the father. This is the thing that people who say this saying don't understand. When God works, when God answers prayer, when God does what only he can do, it brings glory to the Father. And we have to not be people that stop God from doing what he wants to do. God wants to work on the behalf of his people. God wants to heal. God wants to deliver. God wants to set free. God wants that to be present in his church. He wants it to be present because that brings glory to God. If an unsaved person is in a church service and somebody gets healed of an incurable disease, where does the glory go? The glory don't go to, you know, so-and-so or that person or this one. The glory goes to God and that person sees that God is who he said he is and that God is real. That's the reason why the enemy doesn't want God's power to be demonstrated among his people, because he uses certain things like this subtly and sayings like this to get people to think that it's wrong to believe God to do what he can do. No, because when God's power starts to be demonstrated among his people and starts to be demonstrated in the church, you know what that does? It starts to draw people in. It starts to give people undeniable proof that God is the one true God and that there's nobody else like him and all these other gods are fake and all these other gods are work of man and they can't even hold a candle to our God. Look what happened when Elijah went against the prophets of Baal. And he said, all right, everybody get your altars ready. Set up your altars, pour water over it, get your sacrifice ready and pray to your God. And the God who answers by fire is going to be the one who's the true God. And the prophets of Baal went at it all day. All day they went at it, calling on their God to send fire. And it never happened. And Elijah came and prayed about a 45 second prayer. And in that time, he prayed the prayer and the fire flashed down from heaven, licked up all the water, burnt up the sacrifice. And everybody that was present knew in that one moment, by that one act of God, that God was the one true God.
He, everybody knew in that one act that Elijah's God was the one true God. There was no more debate after that. It wasn't like, yo, you know, that was just, you know, kind of just um, a coincidence. You know, fire flashed down from heaven all the time, G. What are you talking about? Not true. It wasn't a natural occurrence. But the minute Elijah prayed, and ask God to send fire, fire came down from heaven, and there is no more question. That's why the enemy tries to come in to get people to not believe God, and the enemy tries to come to get people to not believe God to begin to demonstrate his power, because as long as God's power is not demonstrated, it's just a bunch of talk, and another book, and another theological debate, but once God's power begins to get demonstrated, if he said in his word, that the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. And the elders got around and begin to pray the prayer of faith over a sick person and they get healed. There's no more debate. If you spoke a word of healing over somebody and they got healed, there's no more debate. I remember one night I was ministering. This was about two years ago. I was preaching and I was talking about casting out devils and a spirit began to manifest in the service. Let me tell you something. People like to put that stuff as, oh, you know, that's just a coincidence. That ain't actually happening. But when you ministered from the word that God gave his people power to cast out devils and a demon manifests in the middle of a service and you cast it out, guess what? There's no more debate. And everybody that was in that room that night did not have an excuse after that point to be like, I don't think God is real. You know, maybe it's just this. Everybody in that room, if you saw their face, <laughs> the minute that spirit began to manifest, everybody's face was like, I... I believe it. I'm 100% convinced right now that God is real. There's no more question in my mind. Why? Because when God's power began to get demonstrated and he began to do what only he could do, there was no more debate at that point. That's why we as believers cannot get into the culture and start getting, getting into the saying that, you know, we don't worship God for what he does. We worship God for who he is. No, the Bible told us that we can praise God for his mighty acts and the things he does. And I'm going to do just that. And I'm going to continue to believe God to work because that's what brings glory to the father that's the first part of that but there's also another part to that number one the bible told us we can praise god for what he does it's not wrong but the second part to that is that what god does is who he is what god does and who he is are not two separate things what god does is part of who he is go to the book of exodus uh, Exodus 15 and verse 26. Watch what God said. He said, if you'll listen carefully to the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commandments and keeping his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. Now go to Genesis 22. Verse 13. Genesis 22, verse 13. Watch what happened. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by his horns in the thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his own son. Abraham named the place Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. Can I tell you something? In these two scriptures, in these two passages of scriptures, in the first one, Exodus, God reveals himself to his people as the God who heals. All right. For I am the Lord who heals you, Jehovah Rapha. 
And then in Genesis, Abraham names the place and said Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. The Jehovah names of God, if you search them up and you look at them, some of them speak to things that God does. Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Jireh. All right. They speak to things God does. You know what that means? His nature is to do those things. It is in God's nature to heal. It's in God's nature to provide. That's why I don't understand when, when people say this saying too, because no, the nature of God is to heal. The nature of God is to provide. The things God does is in his nature. It's not separate from who he is. That is who he is. God, it, God does not just heal. He doesn't just perform healings. He doesn't just provide. He is a provider. He is a healer. That's his nature. And we can't separate that from who he is. You can't separate the two from each other. That's who he is. I can remember a story. I think it was John 10, uh, John 10, 24, around there. When the people, they rallied around Jesus and they're like, all right, you're going to continue to leave us in suspense. What's going on? Are you the Messiah or not? And Jesus replied back something interesting. He said, listen here. He said, I've been trying to show you this entire time that I'm the Messiah. The proof that I'm the Messiah is the work that I do in my father's name. But you can't see it because you're not my sheep. It's funny Jesus said that. He said, listen, the proof that I am who I said I am is found in the works that I do. So who God says he is, is found in the works that he does. Let me go there. Let me read it. Uh, John 10, 24. Watch what it said. The people surrounded him and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I've already told you and you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my father's name. But you don't believe me because you're not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Jesus said, watch what he said again in verse, uh, verse 25. He said, the proof is the work that I do in my father's name. So you can't separate what God does from who he is because the proof that who he says he is, is found in his works. So it's funny that the enemy is trying to get, you know, believers to separate God's work from who he is and stop believing God to do what makes him who he is. Because if he, if Jesus was on the earth and didn't do any of the works he did in his father's name, there would be no cold hard proof to the people that he's the Messiah. But he said, it's by the works that you know that I'm who I said I am. So we, especially now in these last days, cannot be people that don't contend for God to demonstrate his power. We can't be people that just don't care about the demonstration of God's power. No, it's a very vital part. And anybody that knows me knows that's where I base a lot of my ministry off of. The demonstration of God's power, because that is what gives people undeniable proof that God is who he says he is. That is what gives people undeniable proof that Jesus is Lord when his power starts to be demonstrated. And you know that the demonstration of the gospel is a part of the Great Commission. 
it's not just a suggestion that, you know, yeah, yeah, I preach the word. But if you want to demonstrate or if, you know, people feel like that's all right to do that, you can, you know, kind of get one person healed. You know, you can cast out one devil. No, it's a command. When Jesus sent out the disciples, he sent them out with power to heal people of all sickness and disease and power to cast out devils. So everywhere they went, they started casting out devils. When he sent out the 72 in Luke 10, he sent them out with power to cast out devils and they came back all astonished. Oh my gosh, the demons are subject to us. When we cast them out in your name, that's a part of every believer. And we all know people who need God's help. We all know people who need to be delivered from the power of the enemy. We all know somebody who needs to be healed. And people getting up and, oh, I'm going to take him and run them to the church. Or I'm going to take them and go call the prayer line. When God has anointed you to set that person free, there's somebody in your life that only you can set free that your pastor can't get to. There's somebody in your life that your favorite evangelist can't get to. And you're the only person in their life that can set them free. So you need to carry power over the things that they're dealing with. You need to carry power to set them free from the bondage that they're in. As I read earlier in Luke 4, 18, that Jesus said the spirit of the Lord was upon him to set the captives free. Guess what? That same spirit is on every single believer and you just have to access that power. We can't be people anymore that are ashamed of demonstrating God's power. We can't be people who, you know, it's not good and, you know, it's not socially acceptable to do that anymore. We're trying to draw people. God knows how to draw people. The early church grew by 3,000 in one day on the day of Pentecost. Then it grew by 5,000 on another time. Why did it grow by 3,000 in one day in Acts 2? Because of the demonstration of God's power. Because unbelievers gathered around and they saw God's power in operation and people saw and the word was preached and they got saved. Stop being people who are ashamed of the demonstration of God's power. Don't be a person who's ashamed when God starts to move. Who cares what people think? People can call it crazy all at once. It gets the job done. It's so funny that everybody's trying to find a new way and a different way and different methods to draw people in. And how are we going to get Generation Z to get saved? How are we going to get the millennials to get saved? By those way that's outlined in scripture, by the methods that are outlined in the book of Acts, that is the only way people are going to get saved. It's not outdated. If you preach the word and you demonstrate the gospel and you come in the power of the Holy Spirit, I guarantee you that you'll start to see results. So we can't be people who separate God's acts from who he is. And we can't be people who only like this part of God, but then the other part of God, you know, it's not fun. So, you know, you know, I'm just not going to touch that. No, what God does is who he is. And it doesn't matter who denies it. It doesn't matter who doesn't like it. It's the enemy that's trying to get believers to stop demonstrating God's power. It's the enemy that's trying to get believers to stop contending to see God move the way he does, because that is what proves that God is who he says he is. And that is what proves to the unbeliever and the sinner that Jesus is Lord and all these other gods are works of men and they're fake. You can't come to somebody and tell them that and not back it up. People can have an excuse when you're like, Jesus is Lord, all the other gods, they ain't, they ain't real. 
and people will try to fight you on it. But the minute God's power begins to get demonstrated, there's no more argument. That's why we have to be people, especially in this last hour of time, when the enemy is running rampant, when the deception of the enemy is running rampant in the world. And the enemy's trying everything in his power to keep the blinders over the unsaved man's eyes. But no, that's not going to happen in this hour. It's the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the demonstration of God's power that's going to tear the blinders off of the eyes of the unsaved. The enemy's not going to have a hold over this generation in this hour, especially when people come full of the Holy Ghost's power and they operate the way they did in the book of Acts. The enemy can have a field day trying to stop people from coming into the kingdom of God when that happens. It's not going to happen. So we have to be people that do, number one, praise God for who he is and what he does. And number two, know that God is what God does is who he is. And we're not ashamed of that. And we don't begin to walk around and tell people, you know, you know, I'm just going to praise God for who he is and because what he does, you know, I ain't going to praise him for that because I don't want to be selfish. It's not selfish. God wants to work for his people. God wants to heal people. He wants to deliver people. He wants to set free. It's not something he has to go work overtime to do. That's who he is. And he wants to work for you. And we have to allow him to work for us. This generation will only be set free and they'll only be changed when they come in contact with the acts of God. This generation will be changed when they come in contact with the God of acts. Not just this ethereal God. Not just this God who, you know, yeah, he'll comfort you and put his arms all around you. And he did all these mighty acts in the Bible. But, you know, he ain't working like that. No. When they come in contact with the God of the Bible, that's when you'll see them set free. And I believe that's what's going to happen when God's people begin to rise up in the power that he has afforded to them. And they begin to go forth and demonstrate his power to a generation that needs it. That's when you'll see things change. That's when you'll see the blinders come off. That's when you will begin to see your unsaved family members come into the kingdom of God. The ones who you thought were the hardest to come in. When they come in contact with God's power and they see God's power demonstrated for themselves, that's when things are going to change for them. And I believe that's going to happen for you and for me in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and online at marlinbenjamin.net. If you would also like to support the podcast or stand with us as we begin to take the gospel to this generation, go to marlinbenjamin.net and click Give Now. God blesses those who support His kingdom, and we're believing that you won't be an exception.